Welcome to Brother to Brother, a podcast that's part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, and all real talk. Reg, it's been a long week, but we are finally back. Uh, just a few days, but just a week out or so away from Christmas. Uh, how mm-hmm. are things going on in your life? Things are okay. Yeah, I'm looking for a place to, because I'm moving in, in a month or so, so I'm looking for a place, and that's a bit frustrating. Aside from that, like it's been kind of a, a hellish week, just work-wise and and all that. And but, you know, aside from that, I had some nice couple of dishes this week. Um, I had the crow, it was interesting. <laughs> uh, I think you had a couple of of uh, crow yourself, yeah. I had a uh, I had a appetizer of tempura crow, uh, with a side of uh, crow stew, but a small side, oh, wow. small portion. I- I went with the crow kebabs. Oh, nice. I thought that was that was the way to go. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> if you don't, if you're not sure what we're talking about, we uh, might as well hit it right from the top. Uh, we're talking about Roy Moore, who we knew was going to win in Alabama, somehow losing. The shock of the uh, week, the month, the end, the season, however you want to call it. I did not see that happening. Neither did I. Like. I knew for sure that the good people of Alabama were going to vote him in. And I think maybe that's, maybe that really is the story. Like, because this whole uh, few weeks leading up to the, to the election, I was like, it shouldn't, people were like saying how much of a quote unquote victory it is that we're even this close. And I'm like, we shouldn't be this close against the pedophile. Like, I don't understand why we think that's a victory. That's a good thing. And then when he won, I was like, I was so freaking shocked beyond belief. Um, but it, it turns out that we and maybe the Democrats as well underestimated the power of the black vote. So, you know, a couple of days before I saw these people saying, well, if black people come out to vote, then then um, Roy Moore has a chance of losing and yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, and, and in my mind, that was they're setting this up to be black people didn't turn out. That's why Roy Moore won. Oh, you, you know, you and me both. I, I just knew that was going to be the narrative. And I saw a couple other people who, I know you said something on Twitter. And I saw some other people who had that same, the same sentiment be like, all right, watch tomorrow. How it's going to be somehow black people's fault that all these white people voted for Roy Moore and he won. And then he fucking lost. I could not, I stayed up to get the results for that. And I was watching, my wife had gone to bed and I was watching TV on the couch and that shit happened. And I was like, wow, I was like, what? And I saw the percentages and it was like, it was like like 1.7 and then dropped to 1.6, but somewhere settled between like, you know, just over one and a half percent. Yeah. Because that night I went to, I was, uh, Getting ready for bed, I was like, I'm going to just take a shower and go to bed and and be done with it. You know, I was watching results and Roy Moore was up. I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing this to yourself. I, I hope I'm eating crow in the morning. And then I took a shower. I was like, well, let me check. And I checked. I was like, I couldn't believe that he won. I was so freaking shocked. And then, you know, the next day it was all people like, you know, the black vote, this and that. And I mean, that's true and all, but I guess my concern there is, well, what are you guys going to do now? You know, um, because it, I have a feeling that 
the Democrats only pay attention to the black vote and black voters around election time. But now, what are they going to do? And and on Wednesday, everybody was celebrating the black vote and black women who had a large part in organizing uh, against more. But I, my question is, why is the because nobody's talking about the fact that the white vote was okay with a pedophile. Yeah, no one's talking about the fact that white women specifically, um, white women voted for him by like 68%. While Alabama is a different case since it's a very red state, it's really been a repeated pattern where white women around this country have been voting for misogynists and, you know, just people who don't have their interests in heart. It's really, that's really one of the areas that I think um, people on the left and independents need to work at either understanding that phenomenon and maybe working to reaching those people. Yeah, because, I mean, there is something to be said about the fact that uh, this whole Roy Moore thing, like, yeah, white, white women did come out and support him, which is, like, I think unexcusable. And a lot of things that, you know, people aren't talking about that. But there is also that there's a um, a truth. I get. Uh, I guess when you look at the demographics, I should say, when you look at the demographics, you see that it was a bunch of you know for the most part it was older women who who voted um, for Roy Moore. I don't know if that necessarily excuses anything or, or makes it any better, but I mean, I guess that's that's that you know. But I, I still think it's a sad state of affairs that that we still can't get some women on board with, you know, this whole thing. I know, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. Speaking of shocking, just to have a little crazy story about my personal life, someone broke into my vehicle this week. Uh, yeah, so I guess they're asset of the year. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're getting my nomination. Um, but, yeah, no, someone saw my book bag on my front seat, and then broad daylight in front of my business and across the street from a school and within view of a bunch of houses threw a rock through my window and grabbed my book bag which had my camera in it. The good thing is we have great insurance and uh, got the window fixed uh, yesterday. Got money for the camera. Make sure that's the reason why you should have renter's insurance. Our homeowners, obviously, but if you're a renter, get renter's insurance because my camera wasn't covered under my car insurance in Massachusetts, but it was covered under my renter's. So get that, folks. It's like four bucks a month. Not even that. Get it. Do it. But, Reg, one of the big things that happened this week Star Wars. Now, without spoilers, give me your rating and try and justify it. Um, I had, I saw it twice because the first time I saw it, I was like, I, I didn't, I don't think it is the best movie in the world. Um, I honestly, I'm kind of disappointed with it. That being said, um, I, I give it like, I give it like a six out of 10. Um, I think it, I'm just, I guess a bit disappointed with it. Like they had the promise of so much and they just seemed to squandered it. And this movie seemed to piss over a lot of the originals. And then it, there are a lot of questionable uh, uh, plot points with this one. Um, and it, it seems disjointed with uh, the force awakens. So I gave it a 7.5 on 
when I came out of the theater, and I felt, and I actually felt this in, the, in at one moment, um, I felt like I was watching the movie like I was judging it, and I think that was about an hour into it, and so I watched the set the next like I guess hour and twenty minutes, hour and a half, whatever, um, just watching it to enjoy it. And I just really enjoyed that movie. Um, I will say there was a part in the middle that totally felt unnecessary um but overall i enjoyed it i liked it better than the force awakens um oh wow i i did just slightly better like for me they come for me they come right in one two three they come in like fifth sixth place you know it's uh for me it's new hope uh empire rogue one uh, then Jedi, and then I. Right now, I would probably I would need to see it again, but I think I would put uh, Last Jedi over um, over uh, Force Awakens. But I think right now, upon reflection, I think it's like a seven. I can understand someone giving it a six and a half, <clears throat> but I still would tell anyone go and see it. It's it's you'll enjoy it. Uh, there's one scene that I just can't wait to get uh, as like a picture print. It's just gonna be amazing. Which one is that? Um, when the ship turns around and then okay, yeah, okay, that's okay. that's gonna I that undershot. I can't wait. To, I cannot. That shit was beautiful. And that's the thing I like about that movie. There are moments in it that were just. It were things I've always wanted to see in in Star Wars. The battle with the Red Knights. Okay. I mean, that was... Okay. I just think, like, there's a lot that they borrowed from the, the other movies that, that were put in here that I just... I didn't appreciate it in Force Awakens. I didn't appreciate it now. And I think there's way too much fan service in this movie that uh, takes yeah, away I from dis- it. I disagree with that, but... Yeah, you tell us what you think when after you see it. Um, yeah, but before we... in Phasma, come on! Oh my god! Well, well, God, yeah, that all. F- yeah, I will what give you. Fuck? I give you that a hundred percent on that one. I give you that. Um, before we get into the news, we just want to do some quick updates. Uh, one of uh, updates: the uh, driver who was um, obviously who was captured and has been charged in the Char- Charlottesville attack. Um, has now been charged with first-degree murder, so they've upped the charge um, that came back from the grand jury. I don't know when they are going to start the trial of that one, but uh, he's definitely going to end up being guilty. Uh, net neutrality dies along party lines, 3-2. Uh, to two. Already, over 22 states have uh, signed up to sue the Trump administration over the decision, so... Uh, probably going to happen but it's definitely going to take a lot longer than um than, than they expect Ugh. uh and just a little call back to last show and calling back to the more uh, jones election god anti-lexicon didn't we say uh not to reference your friends based on yes their blank I'm pretty sure that was a red light, right, Reg? Straight yeah, that was light? definitely a red light. And red not light. only that, but it was funny because <laughs> Kayla Moore came out and said, 
we aren't anti-Jew. Our lawyer is a Jew, and some of our friends are Jews. And and it, I I wanted to talk about that on um just because I, I guess I have a question: Is Jew uh is that a red light or a, I think it's probably a yellow light? But I would just like because I thought about that after, as she said that I'm like because you call somebody a Jew. And is that necessarily, I mean, is that a bad thing to call a person? I suppose not if they're like, they are Jewish, but is it, are you supposed to say Jewish as opposed to Jew? I guess that's, that's really the question. So I think I, I've definitely talked to uh, some of my friends who are Jewish about this. And I stopped sometime in college, probably my senior year, maybe the year after it. Um, I stopped calling saying Jew and started saying Jewish just because and the the way I think about it is just kind of like in movies where they're like um, so and so the Jew you know like it's it, I see how it could be referenced as or not necessarily I don't know yeah maybe seen as a slur or just seen as like a, a qualifying statement like it'd be like saying like oh that's Johnny the black man you know yeah like and so it's wait, just wait, wait, say that again. Like, well, so like, I co-signed on what you just said too quickly. No, what, so what I'm saying, <laughs> Jew, being Jewish is they're a race of people. So calling someone so and so the Jew is be like I. It's just the same as like calling someone the African or the Chinaman. Like that's the way I. That's the way I equate it. Okay. Even if it hasn't been used in that way, like I just like. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's Tommy. He's a Jew. Like, it's just so much easier to be like, "Oh, that's Tommy. He's Jewish." Like the ish. That's all you're adding. Like it's it's not that hard to go to the one word that you know is appropriate. That's the mm-hmm. way. I, that's the that's the basically the way I rationalize in my mind. Because I had friends who are Jewish who don't care, and I have friends who are like, you know, uh, you know, I kind of cringe when I hear someone say it. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, just yeah, that's. He's Jewish. I'm Catholic. Like I don't. So, so you're saying it's okay to say Jewish but not Jew? Is that what I'm hearing? I think it's a yellow light. I like listen. For me personally, I just go to the Jewish. It's it's like I say. It's it's a, a syllable more, and you know that if someone gets offended because you call them Jewish, they're an idiot. Like unless they're not Jewish, then maybe you, you you're jumping to conclusions. Um, but like, if you know someone who's, who's Jewish and you call him Jewish, then there should be no problems. Like, okay. that's the way I look at it. Like if I know someone's Chinese, that I would, you know, I would just call him Chinese. I wouldn't call him a Chinaman. I wouldn't call someone who's African American black or just because he's black. I assume he's, I mean, just, I, it's just easier just to, to do it in a way that, you know, you won't offend anybody. That's the way I look at it. Why risk it? I get you. But yeah, no. When she said that, and that's, and you know what? Hearing her say it like that is the reason why I'm like reinforcing my decision. Reinforcing my life decision. Because we have friends. Our lawyer, he's a Jew. Like, yeah. They're saying, I, saying it like it's a... I think how she said it too is, is what's so problematic about it. Well, she was saying it like she had a luxury dog or something. 
He's a Tibetan. He's a Tibetan monkey. He's special, okay? You're just like, oh, God, no. Mm. Like, if she had been like... Well, no, even if she had said my lawyer's Jewish, that's still... No, you're saying like you're collecting uh, Barbie dolls. No, it's... I think that would have been okay. I, well, no, I take that back because it would have fallen under the don't exactly. say you have a blank friend to, to, to cover your bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> you're, you're using him as defense. Like, he's not your shield. Yeah. Just, just stop. Um, but enough with the small talk, Reg. Let's get into the news. And unfortunately, Mangazi is just fucking. It is a Gatling gun right now, and it's just taking people out left and right. Just yeah, and for once, for once, it actually hits. It kind of hits home. Um. Yeah, man. PBS. Tavis Smiley. God, PBS. What the fuck is going on oh, over just there? All over it, the place. And and okay, you know what? Say it, Reg. <laughs> Say it. Tavis Smiley is one of those guys that I like. I remember listening to him all the time on the radio because it was like hearing a black voice on talk about important issues and and things like that on public radio that you just don't. It's more prevalent now to hear. Um, black voices talk about the politics and current events and things like that and, and issues that are important to people of color. But growing up, you know, Tavis Smiley was one of those guys I looked up to because, you know, he was one of the few that was actually doing that. Um, so, you know, that hit close to home, but then there was also a shallower, um, you know, a shallower position where I was kind of depressed because before, and I've been just white dudes. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I mean, with the exception of Bill Cosby and Russell Simmons, you know, it, it just been white guys. I was like, that's the conversation. Maybe. But then in like Tyler Smiley and like there are other people that are coming out and Mark like Kelly. the whole NFL thing. I mean, NFL does it. The NFL ESPN thing doesn't shock me at all. I mean, nope. oh, wow. A bunch of testosterone dudes act you know, like jocks and assholes around women, you know, I'm, I'm not all that shocked by that, but I mean, still, you know, it was like, ah, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's disappointing. It's uh, on multiple levels. Yeah. And speaking of those NFL, ESPN and other people, um, NFL and ESPN and other companies have suspended football commentators after allegations of sexual misconduct. They include Hall of Famers Marshall Falk and Warren Sapp, Super Bowl champions Heath Evans and Ike Taylor, and perennial pro bowler Donovan McNabb. Um, you have Warren Sapp, who, let's see, he was uh, definitely a serial philanderer. Uh, I believe he hit a woman, uh, was charged with that. It's been suspended multiple times for saying sexist stuff. Uh, that guy's a piece of shit. I believe he was, his allegations was he sent dildos to a to a woman multiple times. Yeah. And he tried to say it wasn't sexual in nature. The dildos weren't sexual in nature. Um, it's... I mean, ESPN anchor John Butchagrass and fantasy analyst Matthew Barry also been accused of sexual misconduct. Like, uh, the whole boys club... And this is the thing. If you've ever been to, like, high school or college, this shit is not surprising. 
Like, if you've ever not been to least, a fraternity, right? this is not surprising, especially the way, like, you, like you said it with football. You have these guys who are testosterone up, and these guys are used to having road wives as it is, you know. So the fact that they do these things when they get in their professional life is, I mean, it's disturbing, but this is really just the unmasking of the world that so many people already knew about, or either, or just assumed existed. I mean, because this is what people in power do. They use it to exploit other people. Yeah, which is why it was so naive for me to think that it was just like a white dude problem. Because, you know, I mean, this is just a problem with people in power. And it's unfortunate that that I'm glad we're talking about it now. But it's unfortunate that these that, you know, it's such a prevalent problem. And so many people were just willing to look it over and ignore it and all that jazz and but I mean, I'm glad that we're finally, for you know, talking about it. I don't know what's going to come of it. I hope something does. But you know, we're here and we're talking about it, so you know, that's important. I just hope we can get into a place where we have a generation of men who begin to believe women the first time and begin to fight back when they see these things happening in the. Uh, in in front of them, and they're like in the reality. I think about what came out this week. Uh, the fact that Miro Savino, uh, talked about how speaking out against Weinstein's like really destroyed her career, and Peter Jackson backed that up, basically saying, you know, coming out this week saying, uh, when we were casting for uh, Lord of the Rings. Weinstein basically said, "Oh, don't get, don't get Servino. She's terrible to work with. She's a, she's bad to her fellow actors. She's bad to her directors, and to the point of basically threatening him about even putting her on their casting list. So they didn't cast her for multiple movies and multiple roles. And like her career literally was being destroyed, and it took all of this for it to come out." Think of all the years that she lost, all the things that we didn't get to see her in. Right. Because of one guy trying to cover his ass for sexual assault. Like, it's just fucking unfortunate. But, and it's, it's so frustrating that, that this was something that so many people covered up when, you know, so many people could have spoken out and chose not to. Um, But... Adding on to the list of people in Benghazi, just to fly through this a little bit, Texas GOP rep- um, Representative Blake Farenthold, who will not seek re-election, um, but also won't resign. Uh, typical Republican. Uh, used public funds to pay for his sexual misconduct uh, settlement. Uh, he fired a staffer after she confronted him and complained about unwanted sexual behavior, and he used $84,000 of public funds to pay her. Like, that's why I think it's so fucked up. Congress has a fund to pay out um, sexual misconduct and uh, racial and discrimination-based charges. Yeah. I mean, that's next-level crazy. That, <laughs> that one, you would need to set up a fund like that, and two, that they had no problem doing it. Also, uh, in, in politics... Uh, Republican Kentucky state lawmaker committed suicide days after um, sexual allegations were exposed. So, I mean, like, there are being some real fucking consequences with this Benghazi stuff. Um, it's been 
obviously that's one of the more drastic uh, reactions, but people are getting exposed. Morgan Spurlock, that uh, what was the Super Size Me guy? Yeah, basically mm-hmm. came out and was like, "Yep, I cheated on all my girlfriends and all my wives. It's you know, I have an addiction problem. I have some mental health problems." He's like, "I am part of my. I am definitely part of the problem." He's stepping away from his filming company and production company. It's funny. I wonder how many people are going to see that are going to come out ahead of it. And and I haven't really. I just heard about uh, what he said, and I haven't actually looked up what he um you know actually said and all that in detail. But I I find it problematic when people blame things like, you know, mental health and all that. And I I, I mean, I'm not saying that it can't be true. I'm sure that it's true for some people. But there's also part of me that thinks that some people want to use that, you know, excuse to to hide behind. Yep. Well, I'll say this. He is a guy who has a documented case of addiction problem. Uh, And that is one thing, I mean being selfish with addiction is one thing that goes hand in hand. So not to say that that's an excuse for him. I think it's just part of his profile in addition mm-hmm. to it. Like it doesn't explain his actions. It just is a part of the, um, the combination of it. He's a guy who, if he's addicted to sex, if he's addicted to alcohol or, you know, just the addiction of feeling good, you know, he's, probably one of those guys who will get it how whenever he can when he wants to no matter what unfortunately addiction yeah. can do that to people mm-hmm. um attempted terrorist attacks was kind of foiled by shitty craftsmanship um an immigrant from bangladesh who had been living in the united states for eight years i believe um attempted to set off a pipe bomb uh in new york city at the uh, port authority uh Ended up hurting himself more than anyone else. Also injured four people with minor injuries. But how do you build a bomb that doesn't even blow yourself up? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing about terrorism is that something maybe we don't talk about is that they they get it wrong more times than they get it right. But, you know, when they get it right, it's devastating. You know, I mean, like, as, as bad as some of these attacks have been lately... Driving a car on a on a, a sidewalk and killing eight p- people or so is, I mean, that's in the big scheme of things. If you took all the terrorist attacks that happened in America this year and all the victims, it doesn't come close to that guy in Vegas, you know. Exactly. So it's like terrorism is a problem, but it's not our biggest problem, and it's not the problem that people make it out to be. Exactly. Unf- you know, I mean, it is something we need to deal with, but there are bigger things that kill Americans that, that need to be uh, talked about and confronted and fixed. Exactly. We kind of need to flip-flop the way we look at, like, a lot of things. We need to be as afraid of heart disease as we are of terrorism. Like, because if we were that afraid of heart disease, we'd save a lot more American lives. Mm-hmm. And that's just heart disease. If we were that afraid of poverty or homelessness as we are about terrorism imagine how much better our society would be how much if we spent that money like we do on terrorism because and and i'm sure some people will be like well because we spend that money that's the reason why these attacks are so small and i i don't i I don't believe that that. i I just don't i definitely disagree with that i think the point of the matter is just like terrorism is not that 
big of a deal, but it's a great way for other people to make money and clamp down on rights. It's just we there are other bigger problems and these incidences. I mean, we're at the point where you see more I mean, even for the bad things that happened in Europe, like the I mean the bombing and the gun things have been bad. But even they aren't like they are in the Middle East where it's like hundreds of people are dying. The Western yeah. world is doing a pretty good job of clapping down and getting these guys beforehand. But yeah, and but I guess, you know, that's... Oh, wait, before we get out of the news, you wanted to talk about Omarosa being fired. Yeah, because I'm not into reality TV, but this is like has reality TV written all over it, but like it's in real life. You know, uh, apparently she and Kelly got into it, and um, so so Kelly kind of revoked her her um, you know access and and all that, and, and then the Secret Service had to get involved, and it's just it's like so cuckoo for coconuts bananas that it's freaking hilarious because she tried to I guess come back and, and get other people to help her out. She called uh, Ivanka, and and apparently from what I understand. Omarosa had the ability to just stir up Trump, you know, I guess she knew him enough that, you know, she could, uh, you know, go in there and whisper shit in his ear and it would just drive him, you know, batshit up insane. And, and that's one of the reasons um, Kelly felt the need to get rid of her. But uh, yeah, so she so then after she finally gets, you know, uh, um, fired and, and all that. Then they come out and say this thing that, you know, she's going to resign in January 21st or something like that. But then, you know, they make it out to seem like, uh, y- yeah, so, you know, that comes out. But then after, you know, they say that she's going to resign, the truth comes out. And then Omarosa comes out with this, um, <laughs> This fantastic thing saying that, you know, it's because she's got a story to tell and she's going to tell her story. And I'm like, please tell your story. I need to hear this story. Oh, please. Oh, my God. Yes. And and she's like blaming racism, you know, like like you can't jump on the resistance bandwagon now that you're out, you know, now that you've been embarrassed, you can't pull that crap. Oh, my God. Listen, the black community right now is just like, uh uh-uh. Girl, you are out there on your own boat. Okay? Yeah, you're out there on your own. I, I know. I heard her whole thing being like, you know, things changed after after Charlottesville. You know, his reaction to those neo Nazis. I just felt uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, almost, I almost said something wrong. Uh, but, but like, listen, woman, you have where have you been his entire campaign? Where have you been? No, you are out there on your own in the wilderness. You are. We don't want you back. Yeah. You there's no place for you to come back to, okay? Oh my god, yeah. Please tell your story. I can't wait to hear. I cannot I wait know, to hear. I know, I want to hear that. I need it. I need that's a book I'll read. That's a book that I'm going to buy day 1. Kindle download one 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 uh press purchase. Yeah, oh my god. Oh my god, yeah. Um all right. Well, that's uh that's been the news and now it's time for our nominees uh for asshat and hero of the year the nominees are and i guess we kind of already decided this one but my nomination our nomination for asshat of the year is the asshole who threw a rock through my window and stole my camera 
it sucks because obviously I had to deal with the glass all in my car. I had to deal with the insurance bullshit. Uh, but again, lucky enough, you know, no harm, no foul in the sense that, well, definitely harm, but I got everything back. I already have my window fixed, but it was a cold fucking drive home, Reg, going on that highway. Mm -hmm. And as I was driving, like, you know, I had a few quarters in my car and I was going to go and vacuum out the car. Um, you know, obviously I left work early, uh, finished up a meeting, finished up a project, and was like, yeah, I'm going to go deal with this shit. I'm driving home. I, I have blankets and stuff. I, I'm sitting on top of glass, but I can't feel it. And as I'm leaving Lynn, I'm like, fucking great. I'm a black dude in a car with a busted window in one of the roughest areas. Uh, the first cop that seems to be definitely going to fucking pull me over. And that, yeah. was, that was the thing I was thinking the entire time. Because I was like, if I don't go on the highway, I can take 127, I can ride up the coastline, it won't be as cold, it'll just be a longer drive, and I was like, fuck that, I gotta go through Salem, Beverly, Manchester, I'm definitely not going through Manchester with a busted fucking window, fuck that shit, I got on and the did highway. did you have that problem? I didn't, did I, you get pulled over I did not, like get, I did not get pulled over, I got on the highway, and I was just like, I got in the fast lane, so I was like, the only person who can see I have a busted out window is someone on the opposite side of the fucking highway, and by then they can't do shit about it. They're going the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And I got in the got in the fucking Gloucester, pulled into the driveway, was just like, pulled into the driveway, and then two cop cars came from two different directions, just driving down the street, not doing shit. And I was just like, mm. just in the nick of time. Yeah. Waited to, uh, till dusk and then drove to, uh, whatchamacallit, to, uh, a vacuum place, cleaned it out. So fuck that guy. You made me do all that bullshit. You made me have that type of anxiety. Fuck you. Um, and our Hero of the Year nominee, the people, the black people of Alabama. Reg, I'll let you handle that. Yeah, because, like we said, I mean, they really showed out and, 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 you know, they saved the nation. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact, and, and you know what, the Republican Party should thank them too because they don't have to answer those those questions about having a um, a pedophile in office. They don't have to deal with any of that. And it's thanks to you know um, the, the black vote in in, Al in uh, Alabama that prevented them from having to ask those tough questions and things that they didn't want to have to really talk about. So, And I'll tell you one thing. Uh, the Democratic Party in Alabama, specifically the incoming senator, needs to do a lot to pay back the black community, starting with uh, opening, reopening some of those DMVs so that people can get their license, mm -hmm. they can get their voting, do the documentation that they will need to vote in 2018 and 2020. Um starting with fighting back against the voter suppression laws, uh, if that means taking the state itself to court, like the Democratic Party has got to stop using minority votes, specifically the black vote, as a fucking as like a time, not even a, it's not a time bomb, it's like a, it's like a, I don't know, how, how would you describe A trump it? card. There it is, thank you. Yeah. As basically as a trump card being like, you know, if we have to rescue the nation, we need you guys now, and then as soon as the fucking, you get the result you need disappearing. 
Like, if you're going yeah. to... Or the black community needs to start going and looking in a different direction. Like, maybe at the DSA. That's all I'm saying, you know. <laughs> we don't have to but, be beholden to one party just because. True, true. Um, but the black voters of Alabama, you are our heroes of uh, the year nominees. Uh, you guys really showed up and prevented a, you know, and outside of just being a pedophile, that guy was also a racist, an Islamophobe, a... Uh, and and thank you for bringing that up because I think that's something that got lost in the shuffle too. You know, people kept talking about how he was a pedophile, which is you know bad enough. But I mean, he was a horrible person before that. Um, he told he went in front of a of a, a you know it, during a Q and A, said to a black guy that the best time in America was when um slavery was around because everybody was united or basically everybody knew their place so you know i mean that's a that's a jacked up thing to say to to somebody especially you know a black guy you know just has no care whatsoever about the, the shit that he says and i think you know that's something that's important to to remember and not just saying that to a black person imagine being in a in an event where there's only like two black people and the very first time a black person asks you a question in the Q&A you hit them with the life was great back in the slavery days because the family were all together and people knew their place in society they knew what was expected of them like what the fuck yeah and besides that he said um, the LGBT Q community didn't deserve rights, didn't deserve to be married. Um, Muslim doesn't didn't deserve to serve in office. Like this guy was repugnant. He was a disgusting piece of shit person who was twice um, uh, expelled out of out of judging because of his failure to adhere to the law. Like I don't understand how this motherfucker even was in the running. Like that, people of Alabama who voted for him, the Republicans, you guys really got some soul searching to fucking do because, holy shit, you guys almost put a monster in just because he's a Republican over a dude who, who dog on charts, a guy who, well, he charged clan people, so maybe that's why you voted against him. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have your answer there. Oh, yeah. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> Uh, well, um, it's time to get into our main topic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Tis the season to be jolly. We're talking about Christmas. Now, Reg, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like Christmas is your favorite or one of your favorite holidays. Heck yeah, it is. Uh, well, tell me what Christmas means to you. Christmas is like, I don't know. It feels like it's the just the best, and you know, because I I believe that all that crap about people coming together during you know Christmas and all that jazz and and all the Hallmark stuff, you know. That's what I believe in, and and I I really do think that it's like the happiest time of the year, and all, and um because you know celebrating the birth of well it's supposed to celebrate the birth of Christ, 
and I don't I don't think we always do that. Sometimes that sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle. That's true. But for me, that's what it's about. It's about you know celebrating one of the most important persons in history, and it's celebrating somebody that's really important to me as a Christian. Um, so like I'm I'm all aboard that because it's just the celebration of of life to me. That that's what it is. Bah humbug. I know I know you're a bah humbug. <laughs> um. I'm not a big fan of Christmas. I haven't been for probably a good while. I think working in retail and customer service kind of killed it for me. And just the whole capitalism of really almost every holiday just offends me. But Christmas, I enjoy people who enjoy Christmas. Um, Especially people like you, Reg, who unapologetically enjoy Christmas. And... I think what I've come to realize in the last couple of years is just like what you should do with Christmas is just find a way to enjoy it in your in your special way. Um, I don't really listen to Christmas music that much anymore, but every now and then I I have a like a sick ass Christmas list that's just like fifty songs deep of just my favorite versions of all my favorite Christmas carols and. Lately, I've been thinking about the old school, like, you know, Christmas movies and um, the uh, TV specials. And I think that kind of makes me as I wouldn't say it's reunited my love of Christmas, but it makes me remember how special Christmas is. Um, I don't have kids, but if I did have kids, I think I would be a big fan of Christmas, not just because of the whole Santa gift giving part, but just the idea of building tradition of the way we saw Christmas. Cause I yeah, think like I, kids of the eighties got the best Christmas traditions. You know, we have those awesome movies that came out, those awesome cartoons. Hold on now. That's not Christmas. tradition. That's secular Christmas. Well, oh, secular Christmas. Oh, I, the fuck out no, of no, here. I'm, I think it's a whole wrapped up. I think that's all wrapped up into the idea of Christmas because listen, Christmas is only celebrated in this part of the year because of pagan tradition. Like, Jesus was not born. And your point? And my point is, like, Christmas in itself is already... Christmas has always been a fraud, is what I'm saying. Like... Did you just call Christmas a fraud? Yeah, I did, because Christmas... Screw you. Listen, it, it, it's... If you're talking heresy. about the history... It's not heresy. Listen, Christmas is a ritualistic um, event. It's not an actual historic event. Like... It is in the sense that it happened. It may have happened in that way, but it happened in March. It didn't happen in, in December. Like, that's very obvious. The Empire would never have a, um, what's it called, um, a census in the middle of winter. Like, you just wouldn't do that. So it's obvious that that didn't happen at this time. We know that that... Bah humbug, sir. Listen, a bah humbug. Yeah, I said it. But that's the reason why I do like about Christmas. Cause like, listen, I think about my upbringing and, uh, and what Christmas meant for me, like Christmas for me as a kid meant watching Rudolph the red nosed reindeer for sure. Watching the Grinch four or five times. I remember how awesome it was when we got that shit on VHS. My life was changed that day. Cause I was like, I'm going to watch this movie. I like so all much. those things about Christmas too, but I also like Advent. I like, uh, I like, uh, Christmas um, Midnight Mass. And... Well, I was getting, I was getting there, like Midnight Mass. Then that's the flip side, the religious side of me. 
being a kid who was an altar server, I l hated slash loved the honor of being able to serve at midnight mass, even though, you know, sometimes I would fall asleep or sometimes I would kick the candle on my way down to get wax on my face. But it was awesome to be there at midnight and be like, you know, we are here as, you know, celebrating in my mind what I thought at the time when Christ came into this world. That is what we're celebrating, even if we're celebrating at the wrong time of the yes, year. That's still yes, what we're celebrating. Yes, I get that. I get the metaphorical thing. This is what we're celebrating. My point of what I'm saying is, like, I still I can enjoy that part and enjoy the secular part of it as well. Like I there, I love the idea of. Well, I used to not anymore, but I loved candy canes as a kid. The and like when in the '90s when candy cane when they were just like. It went from three flavors to like a hundred flavors. Come on, bro. Mm -hmm. Candy canes. I remember when the life when the uh, when the lifesavers like the triple tropical flavors came out. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh my god, candy canes, man. And obviously, getting presents is cool, but I always love the just for me like the movies and the music part and the religious part of it. Um, I think that as a kid, that was the thing. Uh, that made my Christmas most enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your, what was your, some of your favorite Christmas memories? Oh, I tell you what, one of my least favorite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like every year I would, I would ask for like, I guess that's, that's one of those things. Like, I don't know that if I had kids, I would tell them about, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing, just because I think it's, it's setting your kids up for a disappointment that's unnecessary, you know? Um, because I, I remember like every year asking Santa or whatever for, you know, a computer and then thinking, well, I just wasn't good enough this year. That's why I didn't get it, you know? And I think that's pretty problematic. Like that's not something that a kid should have to think about when, when that's not what it's all about. So and I remember one year that this kid who got a computer and he was just the worst kid in the, the like the neighborhood and everything. I was like, this shit doesn't make any sense, you know. <laughs> and, and I know that's like a uh. I was I was decrying the whole um uh <laughs> the, the the um you're too far in the future, man. Your brain was you were an old soul. You're you, yeah. you just analyzed it too far. You're like. You, got deep you know, into it, it. right? And I You're was like, decrying the capitalism of it, but I've I've always thought that that was, you know, when I figured it out and found out, I was like, this is that's some psychological messed up stuff to do to children. I don't know why this is a thing. So, and I think maybe that's why I'm more into the the spiritual and religious side as opposed to the secular side. Like I my I actually prefer giving gifts to receiving gifts. Because I, I like to see, you know, people shine and all that. But, I mean, that's not important to me. The, the, the secular side isn't important to me. It's more the Christian side that's really the religious side that I, I find. You know, like, I, I think it, what best sums it up is, uh, like, it, the Christmas Carol. And I think that's why it's my favorite of all the Christmas movies. Because, you know, it's a, it's a lesson about humanity and all that. And, like... When, when Scrooge says, I'm, I'll keep Christmas all year round and I'll keep it in my heart and live it and believe it, like that's what I think Christmas should be. 
you know, like one of my favorite Christmas songs is Why Can't Every Day Be Like Christmas? And I'm like, it should be like that. Like this feeling that that you have, like people actually like you can actually see people change around Christmas. And I don't understand why that I I don't understand. I don't think it should stop around Christmas, but it saddens me that it does. That that like, you know, around New Year's, everyone's back to being their same old, same old pieces of shit. <laughs> um, no, I I totally agree. It's kind of the reason why I don't celebrate uh, Valentine's Day, um, because I'm like, why do you for one day have to spend a bunch of shit on your mate just because some commercial? And again, this is the reason why I hate holidays because they're all commercialized just to make you spend money. Like, see, I think I love I love holidays and tradition i think it's a tradition it's just a day i i like that we have days set aside to let people know how i mean yes you should do it year round I, don't get me wrong but i also like that there are certain days that we just take to to express that fuck that you to know like jewelry I, to sell like jewelry for instance, for instance why isn't there should be a friend's day you know i i know sibling day is kind of been something that is kind of, you know, starting to come around. But, I mean, I think there should be a Siblings Day. We have a Mother's Day and a Father's Day. There should be a Siblings Day. And there should be a Best Friends Day, you know, a, a day where we just celebrate, you know, being friends and, and all that jazz. Um, I mean, I could, I could do that. I could see that. I love a good holiday. I just don't love commercial ones that have nothing – that are basically become commercialized. Like Christmas, the way Christmas is commercialized, the way they throw sales and and pitch and try and just buy, 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 spend, spend, spend. Like that stuff killed Christmas for me. It just absolutely killed Christmas for me. And it's taken a long time for me to begin to enjoy Christmas again. Mm. I mean, if I think you just take Christmas and make it what it should be for you, then it, it, you can, I guess, ignore all that crap, you know. Just make it something that make it what it's supposed to be. That's how I do it, I guess. Well, I think I'm coming to grips with that. Um, let me ask you some superlatives. Uh, what's your favorite secular Christmas song? Why can't every day be like Christmas? What's your favorite religious Christmas song? Ah, God rest you, merry gentlemen. Ah, wow, that's an, that is not one I would have expected. Uh, I think my favorite religious Christmas song is. I'll come all you faithful. That that's a close second. But especially if it leads in with the uh Latin Adeste Fidelis. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's one of the few times where like I think too Christmas like a lot of some of the best not no I'm not gonna say some of the best are in foreign languages, but I think that's one of the few times when like like um Yeah, Silent Night it's so much better in German. Like to hear it in German and sound in German. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I do agree, though. Um, Silent Night, definitely better in, in German. Um, there are just so many great songs on the secular and on the uh, religious side. Um, my favorite secular Christmas song, corny as it is, the John Denver Muppets 
12 Days of Christmas. Oh, that's a good one. Like, that's just a childhood one that has stuck with me and I will always love. Although, you know, shout out to NSYNC to uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. You know what? That's my favorite Christmas song. What am I talking about? That means secular. And, and I think I want to give an, a shout out too, to Pentatonix and their Christmas album, especially um, Mary Did You Know. That's such a brilliant. Like, I listen to that on a regular during Christmas season. That could be my favorite. And uh, a close second is uh, Harry Belafonte. That's always a, a special one. Um, his song, um, Mary's Boy Child. And it's just basically talking about how Jesus um, was born on Christmas. And, and it tells the whole tale about uh, how they didn't have any place to stay. And they had to find a place to stay and all that jazz. And it's just... Uh, it's a beautiful story. I, I like when when um, they they could tell a story during a, a a song. So that that's a very near and dear to my heart story. Um, yeah, that I forget about the Harry Belafonte. That song is amazing. Um, yeah, that's that's a great one, man. You have such a great knowledge of Christmas tunes, which makes sense since you start playing them in August. yeah guilty Uh, as charged on that one i do start listening to him way too early for a lot of people's taste and i get it i get it but like i said it's my favorite holiday and like i try to wait till thanksgiving but it it, you almost started in september this year i did i probably i did listen start listening in september for you know but i mean i i can't help it I don't. I don't know. I don't apologize for it either. <laughs> I understand. You, you treat the, your uh, Christmas is my Fourth of July. Like in March and April, I'm buying stuff for the Fourth. I'm like, let me get some new USA shorts. Let me get some new USA glasses. Gonna put this up. Hey, you know, you get you just get wrapped up in it. And Christmas is easy. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, cartoon or animated uh, TV special or movie? I gotta go with The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. What's your favorite live action Christmas Live movie? action Christmas Carol. The one with um, Patrick Stewart. Hmm. Specifically. Um, I would say I agree with you. Uh, the Grinch is my... It's, the Grinch is my favorite Christmas movie, period. Uh, but my favorite live action Christmas movie... Uh, I used to say uh, Die Hard, but it's really, um, it's really. Um, I'm starting to hate that. Uh, uh, just on a personal level, I hate everybody who's like Die Hard's my favorite Christmas car- movie, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not hating on it because Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie because it, you know, I, I think the, the jury's definitely in on that one. I just hate on hate that because it just seems like such a cliche cliche hipster thing like like all of a sudden it became cool to to think that die hard was a christmas movie you know well i feel so, like i feel like people have been our generation have been saying that since like high school college so we've been saying it for so long and now people are saying it like putting it on t-shirts and you're like yeah oh, you're like oh, like like stay matthews all over again Yes, like you're not cool for liking Die Hard as a Christmas movie. You're not being subversive. That's exactly. I guess that's what it is. It's like you know, I actually like, like Die Hard, right? And I think it's a Christmas movie. Like, you are liking I, it because you're like it's Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah, I it. 
Yeah. Like you think you're you think you have some hot take and that's what it is. Yeah. Like people act like and that's I guess that's why I have a problem with it because like my hot take is Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Like everybody says that, dude. You're, you're yeah. not you're not doing you are, anything new. You're not yeah. breaking new ground here. You are late to this game. Um, no, my favorite Christmas movie though I think is Home Alone. It is. I mean, like, yeah, it's not. It's it's just so funny. Even today, it's funny. And obviously, if you if you've ever watched the MythBusters on that shit, all those traps would kill people. There is this fun YouTube video called, um, yeah, this fun YouTube video where these doctors go through and they talk about like like all the traps and all that and um talk about how they would actually what they would actually do to people and it is just one of my favorite things i've ever seen because it's just it's so crazy because fractured cranium yeah you know what these guys go through nobody could survive and it's funny to watch oh my god i love when i highly recommend you look up uh doctors diagnosing i think it's called doctors diagnosing home alone yeah it's um and that's kind of one of the reasons why i like home alone it's just I mean, the first two movies were so great. They were just so, so good. And watching them as a kid, amazing. Um, flip side, and this obviously, I don't think this counts as a Christmas movie. It just happens in the winter. The Good Son? That movie. Oh, Macaulay Culkin? Yeah, and Elijah yeah. Wood. Got that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That movie's so fucked up. Mommy, I love you. Whoop. Uh, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about, Christmas-wise? I'm out of questions. I I think we talked about everything. Oh, what's the what was your best Christmas moment? Um, I, don't, I don't think I actually answered that question. But what was your best Christmas moment? Um, I do you remember the Christmas that we had on the Saratoga. Yeah. Uh huh. I think that was one of my favorite Christmas moments. Like it gets thinner and thinner of a memory as you get older and older. But I do remember going home and there not being any gifts and then going to the boat and going to our dad's quarters and there just being a shit ton of presents. Yeah. I I, I think, like, I've always enjoyed Christmases. I, I really think about Christmases in our youth. Um, you know, Christmases in Okinawa were awesome. They were definitely my favorites just because, you know, you had the Christmas feel because there were presents. We went to Midnight Mass. We always got to open one present before we went to bed. One small present. Um, I always liked that because it was like, are you going to get something shitty like a rolled up sock? <laughs> or are you going to actually pick really well, you know, for your first present? Because that was like, I, I for think me, what's funny about present. that now, though, is socks aren't a bad present now. Oh my like, God. If I got socks yes. or, or underwear now, I would not be like, get out of here with this crap. I'd be like, oh, nice. <laughs> Exactly. Um, <laughs> That's so funny how, how that changes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think about that. Plus, waking up in Okinawa, you open up presents, you know, each person goes one at a time, and then running outside into this island paradise. Gorgeous. And I also think uh, something that's a Christmas thing that is, I guess, a personal tradition. Um, Christmas Day, like, we used to have to go to 
uh, mass on Christmas Day. And then we were like, man, we just went to mass on Christmas, you know, midnight mass. And now I have to go back and yada, yada, yada. And then come to find out that if you go to mass Christmas Day, Chris, if you go to midnight mass, you don't have to go to Christmas Day mass because that counts as because Christmas since, you know, midnight mass is at, you know, at midnight. It counts like the next day. So you don't have to go on Christmas day. And I was just, I just remember finding that out and like knowing the whole time our mom knew, but you know, she's like hardcore converted Catholic, you know? (laughs) So you go to every mass and I'm just like, I was like the betrayal. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, That that was father cried here. Yeah. And I remember when he, he said, he's like, no midnight mass counts as a any vigil counts as the as the next as that holiday mass we were like what and my mom with the yeah. guilty look on her face just that looking at him like how dare you tell them yeah we because like, oh it's over it's over. right we used to be altar altar service growing up as most catholics i think are at one point in time and we went to we went to children's mass and then there was a, a mass after that and then midnight mass and then Christmas day. So that was like, we were going to church four times in a 24 hour period. And, and I remember that year I was like, man, he, cause he gave the same homily. It all mass. began in a stable. It all began in a, no, a cave and a cave. That's right. Cave. It all began in a cave. And I was like, I can't believe it. And then he was like, you guys must know this one, this homily by uh, heart. Now I was like, you don't have to, you know, you didn't have to go to all of them, and we were just like mind blown. Well, we're just like, well, we know the kids and the Sunday, the Saturday doesn't count, and obviously we were serving at midnight mass, and he was like, no, Saturday's a vigil mass, oh, you know, so that midnight masses, yeah, it was a vigil mass, so yeah, he's like that counts as Christmas Day, and we were like, mother of pearl, <laughs> uh, I've been lied to, I've been, I have been deceived. So yeah, that was that was great. That really lightened the load the next few years. Cause, man, I remember so many years of just like kids mass, going to the like Saturday mass for the potluck afterwards, and then midnight mass, and then getting up to go back to mass at nine o'clock. But wow. I mean, that's why I love Christmas is things like that because one of the few times when our whole family was together. That because, is true. You know, our dad being in the military and the Navy was deployed a lot, but like Christmas was one of the few times he was, you know, I think it's one of the few times I recall that I could almost always count on, on him being there. And I guess for like saddest moment, um, was, would be like the, the year that he wasn't because he was in the, you know, Persian Gulf fighting that stupid ass war. Um, and just the uncertainty of whether, he was going to come back and all that. That's probably like the saddest moment. But even that moment is kind of you cherish because you cherish. It, it, a bad moments can have a way of making the good ones that much better. Exactly. I was talking to my wife about that this morning. It was just like, you know, you gotta, not that anyone wants to have to live through bad moments, but the flip side of the bad moment, it's a lesson is just that, it makes the best that much better because you've seen the worst or the ugly. It makes it that much prettier. 
So yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely one of the saddest uh, Christmas moments. Um, yeah, you know, Christmas is a special time, and it is a time where people are happier. And it would be nice if people just, you know, Christmas year round. I do want to say one thing before we uh, leave this uh, this subject. What's your feeling about the song? Do they know it's Christmas after all? Like, do you I think hate, that's the okay. most? Do you think that's the that's most, the most, racist most inappropriate? Song. Okay, racist. Actually, actually, do I do I think it's racist? Actually, I kind of do think that it's a bit racist, and here's why: because it presumes. Okay, yes, because it presumes all these stereotypes that that you have to think about not not have to think about but you have to buy into all these stereotypes for that song to make sense like do they know it's christmas in africa because you know they don't have snow and they don't have all this they don't have all that and i'm like yeah they don't have all that but most of africa is christian so yeah they fucking know that it's christmas you know uh the idea that they wouldn't somehow know because it's in Africa. It assumes that Africa is a place of like it goes back to that that colonial Africa is full of heathens kind of thing. And, and maybe I'm looking into that a bit too much, but I don't think I am because I really think that in order for that song to work, that's what you have to buy into. You have to buy into the the idea that that people in Africa wouldn't know because Africa is this hellscape. Or just. Know? And not even just a hellscape, it's just that Africa's a primitive. They're so primitive they don't even know it's Christmas. Right. Yeah. Um I feel like another song that I don't it's not inappropriate, but I just it weirds me out is uh Baby is cold outside. Well no, that's so fucking rapey. That doesn't that's that's just a disturbing <laughs> And although I read this um analysis of the song where it's talking about like the what the original meaning of the song was um, and why it's not so rapey, and yet how it's also because of the society in which it was actually in, it was completely rapey. And I'm just like, your justification might be historically accurate in the sense of what the writer was trying to purvey, but it's still fucking super rapey. But no, I was thinking more of the um, uh, John Lennon Yoko Ono Christmas song, "Happy Christmas, uh, War Is Over." That, um, and this John... is Christmas, yes. so what have we... You don't like that song? It's so creepy. What? It just really creeps me out, especially if, like, Yoko's part, plus the kids. Like, it's a good message. It's a great message. Don't get me I wrong. I love that song. War is I just imagine... Well, that's a great song. I imagine just, like, ghost children walking the street singing it. And a very merry Christmas... Yoko. And a happy new year. Let's hope it's a good one. Let's hope it's a good one. Because I like that it's, it's hopeful, but at the same time, it's like, don't forget, you know, what has happened this year and, and things like that. You know, don't get caught up in, in the celebration and forget the people that aren't going to be able to celebrate or don't forget that it's not good for everybody. I think that, that's a great song. You're wrong, sir. I I didn't say it's a bad song. I just said it rubs me wrong. That's what I'm saying. It it's uh-huh. very it's very spooky to me. Like especially when I hear uh like kids choir singing it or carolers singing it, I'm just like, Oh god, this is fucking creepy. I feel like I'm in a scary Christmas scary movie. 
Speaking of, what's your favorite Christmas scary movie? Do you have a favorite Christmas scary movie? Are there a lot of them? There are not a lot of Christmas scary movies. Uh, did you see Krampus? I I have not seen Krampus. That's I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Uh, I'm gonna look up some Christmas scary movies and maybe that. There needs to be more horror. Dude, Gremlins. Gremlins. Okay, holy shit, that's a good one. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's. That's a good one. I never saw Jack Frost. I did see Krumpus. That was good. I did see Jack Frost. Not good. Um, I watched Better Watch Out, which just came out. Not good. Um, Silent Night. Did not see that. Yeah, so maybe they're not that many Christmas um, scary movies. Oh, before we go, favorite Christmas album. Do you have one? Favorite Christmas album. Um, honestly, probably Trans-Siberian. Yes. Uh, I think it's the most solid Christmas item, uh, uh, album, excuse me. I think it's the most solid, uh, God almighty, John. I think it's the most solid Christmas album. Um, it is, it got fast, got slow. It is moving. It's, I'm jealous because you've seen them live before, right? No, I wish. I, oh, every year, th- I thought you had and seen I need them. to because like every year, they come around, I'm like, I should go see them, and then I just don't buy the ticket to see them. It's just stupid. I, I should have seen them by now. It makes no sense that I haven't. Yeah, th- there's some Time Life collections that are just outstanding. Um, I mean, just to end the conversation, because Christmas music, I think, is, for me, probably the best part of the of it. It just, just beats out the movies, because the movies are good, the tele- TV specials are great, but like the Christmas music is where it's at. I mean, Bing Crosby, it's the most wonderful time mm-hmm. of the year. I love that. Um, I mean, just all, they're just so good. Sleigh bells, sleigh bells ring, are you listening? They're classic. There's so many classic ones. I will say this. Oh, let me end with this question, Reg. What's better, music today or music, classic music? Like 50s, 60s, 70s? <sighs> 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010s? I want to say it's all good. Uh, what's the best? I don't know because there's some really... I, I I mean, if I had to choose one, you know, gun to head, gun to balls, I, I guess I'd, <laughs> I'd have to go with the old stuff. Yeah. See, I, I think it's the classics, man. You got so many heavy hitters. You got Feliz Navidad. You have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You got the Bing Crosby's I mentioned, Harry Belafonte. You got the Temptations. So you have like classic stuff. You got Elvis. You got so many different varieties of music. The classics are just all the heavy hitters. All the, I mean, yeah. If you get the '80s, '90s, you get some Mariah Carey, some Boys and Men, some NSYNC stuff. But they're all just imitating, you know, the the classic set. I think are still better than them. Yeah, I mean the time life. Time life could come out with like five different collections, and you'd be hard pressed to find bad songs on them. I mean, if if they did it today, you'd find. I mean, the the. I don't know if Justin Bieber has one, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like it just it seems like everybody has a Christmas album these days, and they're not all good. I, I'll say of the modern ones. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose it's still modern ish. But uh, Mariah Carey, I know that's a lot of 
a lot of people hate on the Mariah Carey Christmas album, but I think that's good. Boys of Men, uh, NSYNC that we already said in. And uh, Andre Puccelli, I know people hate him, but I, I think he's got a solid Christmas album. Agreed. That's the thing. They're just the people who can really sing, they can crush it with Christmas. That's the reason why pentatonics are so great. You have mm-hmm. real vocal artists just taking these classic songs that we know and reinventing them. And that's what makes real Christmas great. You know, the way people come up with new new tracks. And um also along those lines, uh this is probably somebody a group that people haven't heard about because I like I like um like uh, acapella music and I've got a acapella Christmas list. Uh Straight No Chaser, you should look them up. Uh oh, yeah. it's traditional stuff as well as uh some uh secular stuff, but then they also have some like goofy songs or unique songs that are kind of just funny and some of their medleys are some of the best things I've I've heard uh, like Christmas wise. So check them out. Well, uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed this discussion on Christmas, and uh, we wanted to end the show with one of our favorite segments, Ask a Black Guy. So we hope you all enjoyed the this discussion, because like, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year, and I, I'm glad to be able to talk about it and share the Christmas joy but uh, we wanted to end with a segment uh, that we do every now and again, Ask a Black Guy. And this is a question I've, I've gotten from multiple people, um, and it's, do you celebrate Kwanzaa? Um, no. I, I think <laughs> we may have celebrated it once growing up, and then I was like, this is just – this is ridiculous. You know, uh, my thoughts on Kwanzaa, if you look into where it came from, it is – Super racist, super problematic, because it is kind of came out of a a way to have a black Christmas tradition that wasn't in the typical tr- Christmas tradition. Because at the time, and and I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably getting some of the history wrong, but at the time, the people who made Kwanzaa thought that Christmas was too white parity, white supremacy. And I mean, there is some truth to Christianity being about, I don't know if I want to say white power, but in America, that kind of, there's some truth to it, you know, with that way that um, um, a lot of people use the Bible and whatnot to promote some of like the worst things of, of white supremacy, like the Bible somehow justifies banning interracial marriage. It justifies slavery. slavery. It justifies um, segregation, things like that. So, like, I get where they're coming from, but then they kind of went too far with it, in my opinion. I, I get why they wanted to have a, a tradition around that time to celebrate black culture, but I, I, I think for me, it's just, it seems. A bit ridiculous. I don't know. It's just it's, I don't see a need for it. Uh, and, and maybe you just can't create new holidays. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know anybody that, that actually celebrates Kwanzaa. Well, I think for me, the whole Kwanzaa thing, like, again, I agree with you. I get what you're trying to do. But, 
Like, there are plenty of black Christians who see Jesus as a brown man. They don't have to... Just because people have used religion to enforce some immoral things, like, that's true of all religion. Like, that's not just true of, of Christianity. And furthermore, like, if someone has has a perverted view of your faith, that doesn't mean you should throw away your faith and create something new just for the hell of it. Like, I get having that that holiday, but why not just make that a concept, a year-round concept of, like, unity yeah. and collective, you know, responsibility. But, I don't know, I just, I don't like the idea of any blank-only holiday, you know? Like, this is a yeah, blank-only holiday. Right. This is a Asian-only holiday. Like, I can understand saying, if you're not of this religion, you know, maybe don't don't celebrate it. Um, but like you can appreciate it, but the whole idea of being like, you can't celebrate this because you're white or cause you're not black. Like I, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I, I think and that's why, like, I, I don't, I just, I think we did it. Like I said, we did it once, but it just seems, it seems ridiculous to me. And, and maybe I haven't given it a fair shake. That's all, always a possibility. Um, but I just don't, it's not for me. I, I think last year um, on Twitter, I was celebrating it in, in, <laughs> in jest because I think it's one of those things is <laughs> some pe- sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes people just don't know how to, well, if, if you celebrate Kwanzaa, they don't know how to deal with that, you know? Yep. And it was just funny getting some of the responses and then. And then I think Jen, she was like, you don't celebrate Kwanzaa. And I, she was like, stop trolling everybody. I was like, yeah, I'm trolling you guys. I don't celebrate. It's ridiculous. I'm holiday. trolling real hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, God. But um, if you guys like uh, Christmas or maybe you celebrate some other holiday around this time of the year, like Hanukkah or maybe Kwanzaa or I don't know what else might be around here. Uh, we do want to say happy holidays to everybody, uh, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Um, and as always, we want to say, speak your truth, tell your story. And stay woke, because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Bye, everybody. You always end in, yes, bye, everybody. <laughs> you always end in singing. I like that. Because I, I thought you were going to sing Stay Woke, and you didn't. And I was like, nice. I don't have to. Oh, one, okay. Yeah. Good. I approve. <laughs> you can find John at Tempe WMF on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find his other stuff at Tempe'sWorld.com. And you can find Reggie at Hedonis, that's H-I-D-D-A-N-A-S. He co-hosts In My Humble Opinion and the Cinema Chat Podcast.